All right, good morning. Uh, verses 1 and 2 of Isaiah 40 starts off by declaring a comfort for God's people because their sins have been forgiven. This is good news. And I was reminded that God disciplines those he loves. He corrects and rebukes as he needs to. Uh, so this is nothing out of the ordinary, and we all need this. In the verses 3 to 5, it talks a little bit about preparing the way for the Lord. Just as back then, roads would be uh, needed to be made right for royalty to travel onto it from town to town by lifting up the valleys, lowing uh, the mountains, and leveling the rough places. Uh, the same idea goes for meeting God. This is the work that happens in our own hearts. Uh, may the poor and lowly, the discouraged and downcast be lifted up. May the mountains and hills of our pride and self-righteousness be brought low. May the rough parts of our dishonest and deceptive ways become level. And that's one way we can go about seeing how we can prepare our hearts to meet Jesus by dealing with these things in us. And then verse 6, uh, then as we've seen time and time again, as sins are forgiven and now they meet the Lord, they are now given a mission which is to prepare other people to meet the Lord. So what shall I cry? And it's so very plain spoken. I wanted to read verses 7 and 8 from the message translation. These people are nothing as but grass, their love fragile as wildflowers. The grass withers, the wildflowers fade, if God so much as puffs on them. Aren't these people just so much grass? True, the grass withers and the wildflowers fade, but our God's word stands firm and forever. And it's telling the people the reality of their condition. Their lives are going to end one day, but there is God and his word stands forever. What he says is forever. Uh, verse 9, uh, so then go and declare this good news. Go to the mountains, shout it out. Go to the cities, declare that God has come. He rules with might, but also gently like a shepherd. And so the first thing, I think this is similar uh, to Matthew 28, go to the ends of the earth, high and low, cities and other places. And it's a reminder as we do this difficult thing of sending 300 people uh, to new places this summer, and experience, you know, have to experience the sadness of becoming distant from our friends, that there is a clear reason behind it. In all the work of our ministries, likewise, we are to go do this very work as well. There are so many people who need to hear this good news, and it's the good news that God comes and declaring who Jesus is. Jesus, who is the creator God, who comes with might. Jesus, who is the shepherd, who cares for each person dying for them on the cross to protect them from the evil one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus is who everyone needs, and whatever work there is to remove wrong understandings of God, to provide a plausibility structure around the existence of God, or tough conversations talking about how we are sinners, I mean, all of that is needed. In the second half of Isaiah, he makes the case from many angles that there's no one like God. Because who created everything? Who gave knowledge and understanding? What are the nations in comparison to God? But one of the wrong things that people do or say in comparison to God is that he is just like any other idol. Verse 19, what is an idol? Something someone forms of his own doing. Some statue. Something you create and put on a pedestal. And yet it's not anything. It's not anything more than what that physical object is. 
or if it's something related to status or recognition. It's not anything more than just what it is. It's a position or it's words. Yet it's possible for someone to elevate that above God. Reading these words about God, how you might see an idol in your life, in light of that, is it really uh, worth anything in comparison to the Almighty God who, by His word, can bring nations to nothing, princes to nothing, rulers to emptiness? That's really sobering to read, and I think nothing we'd want to see happen when it comes to us. Verse 26 and 27 is like the final exhortation. It's like to reason together, look and see who God is, the greatness of his might, strong in power. And with such a God, why are you feeling like he doesn't know the situation you are in or that you are not regarded by him? In a way, why live like practical atheists when you know he is there? Then the final few verses are the most well-known of this chapter. Many of us probably remember the movie Chariots of Fire where Eric Little reads the passage and I'll add that link in the description of this post too. But this tells us that those who wait for the Lord will experience his supernatural strength. And what a comforting and encouraging word that is that as um, that we as such creatures, those who are so unlike this almighty, uh, this awesome and mighty God can experience him renewing our strength, being mount up like eagles, not be weary and faint. And the condition is that we wait on the Lord to do that, not passively waiting around, but actively trusting in him, being guided by his word, obedient to what he says. It's those who will experience these things. I think the opposite is also true. On our own without God, we will be faint and grow weary. That's because life mostly won't go the way we want. Relationships won't go the way you want. And our sins will often get the best of us. Everyone's going to hit their limit of becoming faint and weary for whatever reason. And they're going to want to resolve it on their own, but they can't. They're going to feel lost in life, not knowing their meaning and purpose. They're going to fall into some escapism or want to have little to do with people. And perhaps that will be the time they are finally ready to seek God, hopefully. But thanks be to God who teaches us how to navigate through all these things. And as a result, we can move forward no matter what we face with his strength. So read, so reread the final verses of Isaiah 40 with much conviction and confidence that we are not left alone to face this life. God is with us. He carries us. Let's wait upon the Lord, for in due time, he will answer. Amen.